There is a new report about Bill Belichick, the future of the head coach and GM here in New England. A lot of NFL executives weighing in during that report. We'll get to that in a minute. But if you needed to be reminded of how bad this offense is and some of the decisions that have been made that has led up to the last two weeks with a broken quarterback and guys that can't consistently get open and all of the things that we have discussed beforehand. Well, Jacoby Myers has one less catch than Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker on the year. Jacoby Myers has 25 catches. Parker and Juju have 26. Myers has 274 yards receiving. Parker and Juju have 215. And when you look at touchdowns, Jacoby has three touchdowns and Parker and Juju combined have zero. Literally, Jacoby Myers has outproduced your number one and number two receivers combined this season. And that's how bad things are. And when things get this bad, we'll start to see reports and people talking, right? People talking on the record anonymously, but talking on the record to writers about Belichick and what's gone wrong. The heat is going to be turned up. It's bad. You get outscored 72 to three the last two weeks, you know people are going to start talking, and justifiably so. I had a vent yesterday. You vented probably over the last couple of days. Yesterday's episode was the best episode numbers-wise that we have ever had here through the first month or so of this program, and it's because people are searching. They're searching to figure out what's going on and how has this gone so wrong. So let's get into the Mike Sando report in The Athletic. Here was an NFL executive uh, to Sando. Quote, the transition from Brady to where they are at now is such an indictment. Their best move is to bring in a young offensive coach with a new GM and start fresh. You let the new offensive coach determine whether Matt can be saved. They need real change. They got to get out of this. Now, at first, when I read this, I know some of you will say, Matt, be saved. He's broken. He's broken. He's been broken the last two weeks. His poise is not there. His mechanics are not there. His footwork is not there. It's all pretty much shot, including the confidence. Turnover machine, bad decisions. He's been broken the last two weeks. But it doesn't mean that he's broken for the rest of his career. We have seen quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, Geno Smith. We've seen other quarterbacks figure it out and at least get back to an acceptable NFL level of play at the position. So I don't think right now is the time to look at Mack and say he's done, he's dead, he's buried. There's no doubt he's broken. But when you look at this operation, I said this yesterday, didn't dive deep into it because there were so many other things we had to discuss. But how do you possibly trust Bill Belichick moving forward, making personnel moves, especially on the offensive side? And that's the point of this exec. Look, we'll see where this team finishes and whether or not Belichick is completely casted aside and thrown in the trash. Thanks for the 20 plus years of service and the six rings, but your time is up. We'll see if that happens. But when you look at it, GM level, offensive side, at the very least, somebody new has to come into this program and take care of that side of the football. I'm talking personnel-wise. you got to get somebody in this program that can get you the horses that you need to compete in 2023 and compete consistently and beat good teams, not just beat bad teams and backup quarterbacks. You can't let Belichick decide the future at quarterback if this continues. You just can't. 
You can't trust Belichick to make a decision on Mac. You can't trust Belichick to move on from Mac and find that next answer. The way this offense has been built and the philosophical differences between Belichick and current day football on that side of the football, when you look at those differences, when you look at some of these issues, even if you have a top three pick, do you trust Belichick in being able to develop that guy, support that guy, and help him become who he should become? I can't. If you can, well, God bless you. Because the Mac experiment up to this point has failed miserably. And it's not all on Belichick. We've talked about it before. But after year one, seeing a quarterback who was in his rookie year at least showing some promise. And if you're not high on Mac, I get it. But he showed some promise that he could at least be a starting quarterback in the league. To go to year two and go through the Patricia Judge stuff, to get to this year with all of the problems they have aside from Mac at this point being broken. This has been a disaster. And how in the world do you possibly give the keys to Belichick to handle the offensive personnel moving forward after what you've seen post-Brady? As a matter of fact, how do you do it after seeing the last two years of Brady? I know. They won in 2018. I was fortunate enough to go to the Super Bowl. Spent my ass on the ticket. But don't you remember what happened? That second half of 2018, they said, we got to run the football. We have to survive by running the ball, and that's what they did. And they ran all the way through the playoffs, and they had to run the ball. Brady had a couple of big-time throws in the Super Bowl. But that team was led by defense and run game, even though you had the greatest quarterback of all time. And then 2019, we've talked about it enough. Can you let the guy who's been shopping for the groceries continue to shop for those kinds of groceries because he's been looking in the clearance aisle? He's been picking up some blue light specials, and they haven't been all that special. And the bigger picture here, when you look at the bigger picture of what's going on in New England, really, it's an antiquated model. There is no head coach slash GM, head coach slash director of football operations, director of personnel, whatever title you want to give the czar. That doesn't exist anymore. Look at the most talented teams. Look at the teams that have been the most successful the last three or four years. Reed and Veach in Kansas City is an example. Sirianni and Roseman in Philadelphia. There is a clear line between head coach and front office as far as who picks the guys and then who coaches the guys. This is an antiquated model going back 10, 15 years ago. When a coach would hang around long enough and he would be able to leverage his power and be able to be put in the position. And there haven't been many Belichicks, by the way, to begin with. But especially right now, he's the only guy. He's on an island. It's an antiquated model that the owner has to change, has to look at, has to change. Unless we have a dramatic, crazy turnaround, I'll give it about a 1% chance. Unless we have a crazy turnaround, this team is gunning for six and 11, seven and 10, as we discussed yesterday. And at that point, you have to look at it and say, head coach slash GM role isn't working, especially not to get ageist here, but especially when that guy holding both of those jobs 
is now in his 70s. The antiquated model is a big part of this problem. At a certain point, you have too much on the plate. Now, the part of finding an offensive guy, a couple of uh, interesting tidbits on that. Number one, yes, that's where the league leans. 2023, it's offense, 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 offense. You need to score points to get to the playoffs. You need to score points to win games. You need to score at least 24 or more points to give yourself a chance to contend in the league in its current state. So an offensive mind is something you have to look at, especially if you want to try to save Mac or if you pivot away from Mac, trade him in the offseason and bring in a new quarterback, whether that's through free agency or the draft, that doesn't matter. Whoever the quarterback is in 2024 is going to need some help on the field. And also, I think, at the top of the program, which leads us to Gerard Mayo. Is Gerard Mayo the guy? It all sounded like the perfect plan. Before this season, Mayo would be the next guy in line, right? It, it, it all made the sense. He, he knows the ownership. He knows the area. He's a very smart guy. All of that. But two things. Obviously, Mayo is a defensive mind. And another, Mayo is so close to this operation and everybody else. He's close to the Belichicks. Is that the right guy to get the job? Even if he's qualified, do, do you want to put somebody that has been in the Patriots bubble, do you want to put that person in charge of the on-field product while he's been so closely linked to the last guy? How much would change? I don't know. We haven't seen Mayo as a head coach, but it's a worthwhile discussion to have. As far as the case for moving forward with Belichick, Sando writes, it requires compromise. Quote, Bill is brilliant and provides a lot of value, another executive said. He needs help with player acquisition. That goes in line with the idea of, hey, Belichick can still coach, but the GM role is something that needs to change. That has been, you know, my thought process if this team gets to seven, eight wins. If they're looking at five, six wins, I think it's time to just reset the whole program, and, and that starts with Belichick, GM and head coach. But even, even Belichick, the coach, has done many things the last few years that leave you scratching your head, including just this past weekend and the fourth down decisions that we have covered. The question is, again, back to the quote from this exec, the question is, will Bill accept it or fight it? He's going to have to make sacrifices to get that all-time record for wins, unquote. Now, I've said this, again, from day one, five, six wins, everything is on the table. Seven-plus wins without playoffs, you look at the GM role. You give Bill maybe another shot at head coach, but say, hey, man, we got to move on and, and find somebody else that can bring in the talent that we need because the last four-plus years have not worked out, Bill. It just hasn't been good enough. So seven-plus wins without the playoffs, see it to the GM title. Five wins, six wins, we're talking see you to Belichick. Playoffs? I think would have earned Belichick status quo. If you got to the playoffs with this team, he would have a case to go back to Kraft and say, we got Bill O'Brien, we got Adrian Clem, we had a pretty good draft, and we're back on the course correction. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. And if this continues, it's ultimatum time. 
Now, getting help for Belichick sounds great, Sando writes, but isn't necessarily practical. Quote, how would you uh, take a job in personnel there and think that they have real power? Who would take that job and think that they have the power if Belichick's still hanging around? It's a legitimate question to ask. That was from a fourth executive from this piece. Back to the exec, how do you get somebody? I'm wondering if that is why they ended up with Patricia and Judge a year ago and Bill O'Brien now. Maybe nobody else wanted the jobs. Well, maybe nobody else wanted the jobs, or maybe Belichick didn't want anyone from the quote-unquote outside to take the jobs. That's another question. Belichick has surrounded himself with his guys. And it's worked for a number of years, but the last few it hasn't. Is Belichick thinking outside the box enough? Not crazy like Patricia and Judge running your offense, but is he thinking outside the box enough to make the necessary adjustments to this staff. I, I, I don't I don't think that he has. I mean, he, he leans on his guys. Was Bill O'Brien a Belichick call or a Kraft call? Because if it was a Kraft call, then Kraft might be too deep inside of the bubble to think outside that bubble and box. Back to the story. First exec says, if Bill wants to salvage this, he has to get in position to get one of those quarterbacks. Talking about the 2024 draft. Otherwise, you're paying top of the market for Cousins or going after Minshew or Tannehill or Fields or Kyler Murray or Zach Wilson. And this has been my point when everybody wants to dump on Mac. And again, the last two weeks, dump away. But people, they do not appreciate, not everybody, but, but some, many of the people that are watching this team right now and just want to get rid of Mac. Many of those people do not appreciate how tough it is to find a legitimate starting quarterback. I'm not talking even about an elite guy. I'm talking about someone like Mac. If you believed Mac's potential and his ceiling before the last two weeks, if you believed that Mac could be somewhere between 12 and 15 in the league. And I challenge people, if you think that's too high, look at the quarterbacks in the NFL. There are a lot of quarterbacks that are mid, if not worse. And if you want to put Mac in that company now, especially after the two weeks, you can do that. I'm talking about when you brought him into the program, what he looked like after his rookie season, the guy that he could have been or could still be with the right weapons around him and an offensive line that protects for him. But even if you want to get rid of Mac, is Kirk Cousins any better with this current situation? No. There are only a couple of quarterbacks that could survive what's going on right now. If you want to move on from Mac, fine. But understand that next guy you bring in, unless he is an elite talent and playmaker, you're going to see a lot of the same things unless you have an overall change within the philosophy and the personnel. That's, that's how I have felt from the beginning. So do you want to go out there and get another mid guy if you think Mac's mid? What does that do? You're going to end up spending a ton of money on a mid-tier quarterback when you have a mid-tier quarterback. Like the first three weeks, Mac was mid-tier. He was ranked 16th or 17th in pro football focus. That's smack dab in the middle of the league. When you can have that guy for much cheaper. And you also have Belichick. If, if you want a top three pick, here's the problem. You have a coach that's fighting for his career. You have a coach fighting for his his pride, his legacy, all of that. Belichick ain't tanking. Kraft is not tanking. Kraft is in his 80s. He is not interested in tanking. Now, you might tank without trying to tank, which I think would be the best possible scenario. 
but Belichick's not tanking. And I don't think Belichick, if he is still the guy running this program, I don't think Belichick is willing to give up the amount of assets it would take. If you're, you know, the fifth pick or the sixth pick, and you're going to move to the top two to get Caleb Williams or Drake May, if you have to do that, you've got to give up a lot. Is Belichick willing to give up those kinds of assets? I'm almost feeling like Belichick is more apt to actually move down from a six or seven pick than move up. Here's another quote from the story to me. It is a craft discussion, not a build discussion. We know what Bill is with and without Brady. It is more where do they go next year with Kraft being responsible for that. How much money does Belichick make? How much time is left on his contract? Is Robert Kraft willing? Let's say if there's three years left on the deal for Belichick and he's making $20 million a year, is Kraft willing to pay Belichick $60 million to walk away? I'm not so sure. But will Kraft back up his talk? Because the last couple of years, he's talked about, you know, playoffs. we got to get to the playoffs. I don't like losing. We have to win. We have to win. It would look terrible for Robert Kraft if this team wins six or seven games and he doesn't make that significant change. That all of us, I think, at that point would say needed to be made. Kraft would look terrible. He has gone out publicly and he has said we have to win. If you're not winning, you got to change something and change something significant because changing the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator right now, that, that was like, that was like moving around the chairs on the Titanic. You could not give Belichick a hundred million dollars in cap space. You cannot give him the keys to the future at the quarterback position. If this is a six, seven win team, you just can't do it. It's a dereliction of duty by Kraft as an owner. Most successful pod was yesterday. Thanks to everybody who watched and listened. Can't thank you enough. Uh, the best numbers that we've had so far through the first month plus. Continue, please, to support this program. It's the only way we're going to continue to get those eyeballs, right? Spotify, Apple Pods, rate and review on YouTube. Take a second, just a split second, and give us that thumbs up because thumbs up means more eyeballs for us, and also leave some comments. A ton of comments were left yesterday. I try to get back to all of them, but when there's a lot, it's tough to do so. All right, so how do we start over? Because Belichick in the postgame after that Saints atrocity on Sunday came out and said they got to start over. And this morning, Gerard Mayo talked about, well, it's not really changing scheme defensively. It's just doing things better and getting back on the practice field. Good luck with that. This is the biggest challenge in a long time for Belichick. The bottom has fallen out. I, I would hope the bottom has fallen out. 72 to three the last two weeks. This is really when Belichick has to respond and he has to figure this out. So how do you start over? You can't change the personnel. I mean, you can change some of the personnel, but you can't overhaul the offense. You can't get rid of everybody. You got to find ways to make this team better, given the ingredients that you have to make the meal. It ain't the offseason. You can't just flip it all over. Bill O'Brien said this morning that they expect Mac Jones to play. That's the anticipation. And fine, good. Zappi doesn't give you a better shot to win. Bailey Zappi has been worse than Mac has been the last two weeks. In garbage time. Down by a billion. And he has stunk worse than Mac. I mean, the lack of turnovers, yet Mac's turned the ball over more. 
But Zappi's been brutal the last two weeks in blowout scenarios where he should be able to pick apart defenses that are laying back. Missed two wide open throws on Sunday. Wide open. So it's not like Zappi's the answer. So here are some changes I would make, all right? Let's let's create a quick list to try to solve some of these problems. First of all, offensive line. Pick five guys and roll with them. And I know health will change this and, and keep some of it as fluid. Is Owenu hurt? Of course, he had to leave the game on Sunday. Is he going to be able to come back? How bad is Cole Strain's injury? They haven't put him on the IR, which leads me to believe that the injury isn't bad enough to keep him out for four weeks. So, yes, health will play a role. But five offensive linemen, find them, put them together, and keep them together. And if you have health, Trent Brown, Strange, Andrews, Riley Reef at right guard, move Owenu to tackle, that's what I would do. And if you don't want to move Owenu to tackle, fine. Keep Owenu at right guard. Try Riley Reef at right tackle. I'm not telling you he's great, but he's got to be better. Hopefully, God willing, he's better than Verdarian Lowe and some of the other guys we've seen in that spot. Pick your five, stick with your five on the O-line. Become a run-first offense, and I mean truly run-first offense. Committed to it, a la second half of 2018. Run the football, run the football, run the football. People might think, oh, starting over is going to be something drastic. No, I think what Bill means, and Mayo said it this morning with the whole, we just got to practice and we're not going to change much scheme-wise. I think what Bill's talking about is, hey, look, we got to start over from scratch. Fundamentals. Step number one. I think you're going to see more conservative football from this team the rest of the year, or at least until they get something straightened out, if they can. So, run first offense. I'd rather be safe than sorry right now with the turnovers. And your quarterback is broken, so I don't think you can depend on him to make big-time plays for the next, I don't know, couple of weeks until he shows that he's got his mechanics back, his footwork back, his poise back, his confidence back. Until he shows you that, you can't have him throw the football 30 times, 35 times. You have to run the ball. Run, 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 and hope for the best. I know you haven't been able to run consistently, but maybe with that offensive line, you put your five best guys up front, and, and, you, and you hope. I'm not telling you this is all going to fix the problem. We talked about this team yesterday and where it's likely headed. I'm just telling you how they might try to change some things to try to make it at least a little bit better. Run first offense. Thirdly, it's time to play Kayshawn Booty and Pop Douglas if Pop Douglas gets through the concussion protocol. And I know Pop isn't a great route runner, and he's had some sloppy routes over the past you know, few weeks, especially you know the last couple of weeks. But I'm still trying to get Pop out there for some wide receiver bubble screens. I'm still trying to get him on some end arounds, and I'm going to have him run some routes. Try to get these guys to develop. Try to get these guys, when the bullets are, are, are flying live, get them out there. So I, I would play Booty, and I would play Pop Douglas. I would sit Juju down. He's been useless for you. Useless. Juju has been a waste. And I know you paid him money. Oh, well, Bill, you screwed up. Booty and Pop Douglas should be playing over Juju at this point. Sit him down. Defensively, play more zone. Keep everything safe in front of you so you don't give up, you know, big plays. And that includes not blitzing 45, 50% of the time because the Patriots have been blitzing a ton this year, and that's really how they've gotten their pressure. Sunday they blitzed and didn't get hardly any pressure. That's a recipe for a disaster defensively. 
So play it safe. Force teams to dink and dunk. Finally, clean up the damn operation. Because that needs to happen. Troy Brown has done a terrible job with the wide receivers. Adrian Clem has not gotten enough out of the offensive line, and you don't see really any improvement from the young guys. Bill O'Brien hasn't been good enough. We've gone over several different examples of that. Your special teams. I thought Joe Judge, it was a great idea to put him ahead of the special teams because he used to be, at least we thought he used to be, a really good special teams coach. Special teams has been a disaster. Long snapping's been bad. Field goals have been missed. The punt return game, Jabril Peppers, fair catching the football at the five on Sunday. And Belichick, and we've gone over that. Clean up the operation. So pick an offensive line. Hope they're healthy. Stand by that O-line. Run first offense, at least until Mac gets out of his own head. Run, 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 run. Play the young receivers and sit Juju. Defensively, go ultra safe. Play zone, blitz less. And clean up the operation. The coaches have to be better. Like, rate, review, and subscribe to the Nick Cattle Show Monday through Friday, every day with you. Apple Pods, Spotify, YouTube comments, likes, all of those things help the ratings and reviews as well. All right, let's slide in some Celtics and Red Sox quickly. Watch the Celtics game last night. Uh, First thing, Peyton Pritchard's ready to help. And for everybody who wants to see Peyton play, he's done nothing but really solidify his spot coming off the bench the first two preseasons games. And And I know it's preseason, but he's looked as good as you could expect him to look. He's got that security with the contract. He secured the bag for himself, which is great. He's going to give you some offensive pop. He has unlimited range. He's been better in the paint through the first two preseason games, which is something we have to focus on because he has not been strong in the paint because obviously he's not the biggest guy. And that limits what he can do for you offensively and how teams will defend him. But he's been better there so far in the restricted. And he has to compete defensively. And I think he will at least try to compete defensively. But Pritchard. He, he is going to play a big role on this team this year with Smart and Brogdon gone and Drew Holiday coming in. You're short a guard. You paid him. He's going to go out there. He's going to play. And I thought he's looked very good the first two nights. Luke Cornett has to be better. Last night was not nearly good enough. If you need Cornett to play 15 minutes a night, he needs to be better than he was last night. Inconsistently playing defense. Uh, he was not rebounding the ball on the defensive end, which is a huge thing. He allowed Mitchell Robinson to dominate the glass in that first quarter. Cornette has to play better. Or you have to go out and find a big man. I do not think Nimi Keita is the answer. I watched him in Sacramento. I don't think he's ready for that spot. Wenyan Gabriel, I do not think is ready for that spot. If Cornette plays like he played last night, the rest of this preseason, you need to scratch, claw, somehow find that backup big. I thought Banton looked good last night going downhill. That was fun to watch. He's a tough point guard matchup at 6'7". The other guys, though, the biggest question, the Brissettes, the Stevens, and even the Bantons, they can't shoot a lick from distance. I mean, they're awful. At least last night they were awful. And if you look at how they've shot the last couple of years, they would tell you awful. So can Brissette, Stevens, and, and Banton make at least enough shots to warrant some playing time? Stevens. No doubt about his defensive ability, it's there. Brissette, he can defend. He's that hustle guy. But you can't play. You can't have dudes coming off the bench who can't shoot the ball soaking up 25, 30 minutes of backup time. 
You can stagger the minutes, obviously, and you have the top six, but you still need somebody, which brings me to Svi Mihailuk, who, you know, I, I thought he played really well last night, especially offensively. He can shoot himself into the rotation. He can shoot himself into that rotation. If he plays like he played last night, Mihailuk could be one of the guys that, that comes off that bench and, and all of a sudden he's part of your top nine. He could shoot himself into that role. Jordan Walsh, the rookie, his defense, it still translates. He has to refine his offensive skill, but that defense translates to the NBA, and it translates right now. The length, the activity, the versatility, defend multiple guys, translates. All right, let's finish with some Red Sox. They blew up their coaching staff, which should happen when you finish in last place to consecutive years. Carlos Fabless, he's gone. Defense sucked. That That's one of the worst defensive teams I've seen in a long time. He's in charge of that. When you're that bad, you got to go. He also wasn't a very good third base coach. Let's be honest. Indecisive, lost at times. Fabless gone. Dave Bush gone. Pitching staff wasn't good enough. The results weren't there. Not all of it was his fault. You know, the defense wasn't all of Fabless's fault either. You know, when you're dealing with a, a bunch of dudes like the Corey Klubers of the world, you don't have a legitimate number one guy. James Paxton has to get sat down after the All-Star break. Chris Sale, in and out. Brian Bale, for whatever reason, can't pitch during the daytime. So it's not all on Bush, but not good enough. No problem. He got to go. The most interesting part of this about the staff getting blown up is the fact that the Red Sox don't have a GM. These decisions are being made without a GM in place. What's that tell you? Do you think other GMs, like legitimate GMs out there, would take this job given the fact that changes are already being made and they haven't been brought in on any of those discussions? You've got Alex Cora coming out at the end of the year, and I know he's trying to get behind Chris Sale, but coming out and saying Sale is the number one starter next year if all goes according to the plan. And he had a lot of caveats, but still. It's clear that Alex Cora has a lot of pull within this organization right now. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's obvious. And the more and more this goes on, the more it seems to me that the Red Sox hire is going to be a Red Sox promotion, that they're going to stay within the building for the succession plan to Bloom. Because a GM would be part of these conversations and making these decisions on the coaching staff. Usually. Obviously, the manager has some say, but I mean, Cora is running with this right now. So I think they're going to stay in-house. Like, rate, review, subscribe, Apple Pods, Spotify, YouTube. Keep the comments flowing. Give us that thumbs up. We'll be back tomorrow. Bruins. Drop the puck. We'll have some Bruins talk tomorrow. We'll continue with the Patriots talking a whole lot more on the Nick Cattle Show.